Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. What a goal! Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. The world is left to wonder, wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and I am licking my wounds after getting bageled match week one. Pretty hard to do, but who better to lick my wounds with than my co-hosts, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. But before I bring these two gentlemen in to break down the upcoming weekend at soccer, we'll go game by game in the Premier League, touch on the Bundesliga, Harry Kane's new home, La Liga, Serie A, Ligue 1. I give out our infamous three-leg underdog parlay, and this week is an absolute doozy. Uh, and also give out our favorite bets in the Premier League. But before we get to all that, a reminder that Wonder Goal is presented to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game. Get $200 in bonus bets. You must be 21 or older. The offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and BJ's native Iowa in the United States. If you have a gambling problem or you know anyone with a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, uh, nine Premier League matches to talk about. Luton Town and Burnley can't play this weekend because of the renovations undergoing at uh, Luton's home, Kenilworth Road. Uh, That means we'll start this podcast because we probably were going to start with that one as the headliner but now the new headliner is man city hosting newcastle a title six pointer uh city's minus 163 at home newcastle plus 425 the draw is plus 320 these odds of course are from our friends at bet 365 city is going to be without kevin de bruyne it seems for quite some time uh they are also going to be on short rest here after playing sevilla in the uh, super cup in i think it was in greece and uh, that that match went into a into penalty kicks. It does feel like we're going to see a lot of action on Newcastle here, uh, and I don't hate it. So, BJ, you you'd be leaning that way. I saw on our yeah. show notes, uh, but yeah. you think the number's too short. I I don't know if it is. I mean, City opened around minus two thirty here uh, before this happened, and then obviously Newcastle had a unbelievable performance at home against Aston Villa. City loses De Bruyne, then they have to go on short rest, and now we're sitting around, you know, City minus one fifty five, which is, 
mean, have we seen them this short at home against somebody in the Premier League other than, you know, maybe to matches against Liverpool in the past? I'm not so sure. So, you know, Newcastle, the first time they played City was kind of interesting because they we they weren't the Newcastle that we knew know now. And they actually blitzed City multiple times in transition, scored three goals at St. James Park. But then when they went back and played at the Etihad, City controlled a lot of that possession. Newcastle didn't really create a lot of chances in transition. And that's where it comes down to me is City is so good defensively. Like I know they conceded the header today to Enesari, but they're so good defensively, essentially playing five center backs that it makes it very, very hard for me to see how Newcastle's physicality and press is going to beat them up and create those transitional opportunities that they're so good at doing against other teams. You know, I had City projected at minus 132. So I was, you know, I'm kicking myself for not getting Newcastle plus one and a half early. Uh, Now I would really like that number. And if it was that number, I would be coming to the window to bet that. But now we're getting too short where I'm, we're at, you know, Newcastle plus one and minus 120. I don't want to pay minus 120 on a plus one. Like that's, it's an expensive price to pay, especially going up against the defending champions. So De Bruyne is obviously a huge loss. I mean, Bernardo Silva can slot into that role and, you know, City will, I think will be okay. Um, but City should be able to build up against Newcastle. I don't see them succumbing to their press. And once you get past the Newcastle press, are they really going to be able to stop Holland and company once they get that open space going forward? I'm not so sure. So this is a pass for me. I don't think we'll see any more City steam, but I agree the spot's not great for City. And Newcastle looked the most oppressive, I'd say, of anybody in match week one. So I think what you're getting here is just your classic overreaction to what happened in uh, match week one. Yeah, I mean, if you ask uh, a lot of NFL betters, they always talk about how mm-hmm. week two is their favorite uh, week week to bet because you can buy uh, buy against the overreaction. I don't know if I generally think that this one is falls into that bucket. I, I know that the line crashed, but uh, I think a lot of that is, you know, the, the De Bruyne gets, gets hurt and City uh, going to play a, a European match on Wednesday, today, as we're recording this, so... I understand why, and obviously the, the Newcastle performance. Like I understand why the line is moving uh, towards the Magpies, but I also think it's a. This is just who they are. I think we, we can all learn to accept that Newcastle is just a really good Premier League team at this point. Uh, playing on song, like they they all seem to have uh, really gotten into Eddie Howe's philosophy and tactics. And I mean, even even Anthony Gordon looked really good. He did. Uh, the other, happen. yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was really good for them. But um, it's it's a three o'clock kick on on Saturday, so I I'll have time. But I, I'm having a tough time envisioning myself not betting Newcastle. I think this is part of you know I say this a lot on the show. Newcastle's good enough that when they get to this number, no matter who they're playing and 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 where they're playing, it's it's just going to be tempting. They're just in that that bracket now. Anthony, what are your thoughts here? Well, uh, first off. Won my first bet uh, involving City Unders this season today, so I should retire on top. But uh, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, I lost a lot of money betting against City in case you hadn't noticed last season. But I thought it was really interesting. Pep Guardiola's post-match comments uh, about the short turnaround. He, he, he said, we want to thank the Premier League for giving us a Saturday game instead of a Sunday or Monday. Uh, he's already started whining. And that was in a match in which he made no real rotation to his starting 11 uh, and no uh, subs until the final minutes of the game. So 
you know, there's some real fatigue potential here for City as they kind of get their way into this season and they kind of figure out what they're going to do tactically. Because what worked for City so well last year is that they got ridiculous levels of production from Mares, Debrana, and Grealish, and then of course Holland. And they didn't really need to send many numbers forward. They were very passive uh, and didn't really, you know, overwhelm teams by sending a huge numbers of forward. And th- that's what made them so dominant defensively. They attacked with four, maybe five, especially once Gunduan kind of had that late season surge in goals as like the fifth man at the end of the penalty area. Well, now they lose Gunduan, they lose Mares, they lose Kevin Debrana. And I just don't think that Palmer, Foden, and Alvarez are as good. And I think that there's going to be some drop off uh, and probably a considerable one. Uh, in you know not just the service into Holland, but the production around Holland. I mean, as good as he was, you do need other goals to sustain your attack and to really get margin from these teams. So, you know, Kevin De Bruyne in 22 minutes. I wrote this today in the Sevilla preview. In 22 minutes, he had three passes and two crosses into the box, which is insane. Now they don't have him. Like, who's the guy that's playing the balls into the box for for, for the City team into Holland? I, you know, I like Bernardo Silva. He just signed a contract. Uh, but what does his preseason look like? Because he's been looking for a move for a while. Uh, and, you know, Kovacic as the replacement isn't quite the same as Gunduan or De Bruyne. It's a different kind of player. So uh, I have my doubts about them. I, I agree that the market has moved pretty solidly toward Newcastle. And I think that's as the, you know, the, it was a bad look ahead. I mean, minus 230 is a bad number. I would have loved Newcastle. I think we're all in agreement there. Uh, if this gets up to about, you know, plus one, minus 110, I will fire on the Magpies. But, PJ's right at the minus 120, 125 that you have to lay right now. It's a little bit steep for me, but I mean, Newcastle opening day. I mean, it, it played out almost exactly like the friendly did against Villa where they just got in behind over and over and over again, Isak's creativity. And, and uh, you know, the defense showed a couple of cracks, but I thought they played over, over, overall pretty well. Um, Tonali getting forward to adding some more goals to make up for, uh, you know, not starting Callum Wilson and bring him off the bench, which I thought was interesting too. So, uh, I lean toward the Magpies for sure here, but uh, have not bet it. All right, uh, let's let's skip to Friday then, or skip back to Friday. So that's that 3 p.m. start uh, between City and Newcastle on Saturday. So the Premier League did give Pep a little bit of uh, breathing room to, yeah, to quiet him a bit. Hours. Yeah, a couple hours. You know, if it's, it was Klopp, I mean, I, I don't even know if Liverpool would play this game. They probably would protest it and, and ask to get it. Ones. Yeah. Uh, all right, Friday afternoon, 2.45 kickoff between... Nottingham Forest and Sheffield United, a, a relegation. Six-pointer here. Forest, odds on at home. Oh, my gosh. Minus 118. Uh, Sheffield United plus 350. The draw is plus 250. We we spoke a lot about Forest home and away splits last year. Minus 33 goal differential overall. Minus 30 on the road, plus three at home. Uh, the expected goals, about minus eight uh, at home and minus what, 26 or so overall. So they were a little bit you know, lucky uh, at home, but it, it was a distinct home field advantage. We'll see if that carries over. Sheffield United looked abject yeah. against Crystal Palace, yeah. uh, but they signed Tom Davis. So they did. All, their, all, their woes are, all their woes have been fixed uh, by the handsome lad uh, from Liverpool. Uh, I, I can't look away from this price against Forest. Yeah, like you can't. You can't. You can't make Forest minus one eighteen against anybody. Well, maybe I, Luton. Maybe Luton Town. I, I don't even know. Can I say something? What's that? They never were this high at all last season. In yeah, every this is match. I went through every single odds. The the highest as they close as a favorite was towards the end of last season. They closed as an even money favorite 
against Southampton, who I believe at the time was very like it was the last match before they were relegated, or it was pretty much like a, a foregone conclusion and it wasn't official. So they were getting like a huge bump because they And, and were, you know what I probably said during that match was you can't make Forest an even money favorite against exactly. any team in the Premier League. Exactly. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, what are we I mean, Forrest, like Forrest okay, yeah, well. they won they won the expected goals battle against Arsenal, like big deal. Um, they were down two nothing after thirty exactly, minutes. Exactly, exactly. And and the thing about Forrest was his last season, like the only good thing they had going for them offensively is they like kind of created some big scoring chances here and there. But they were dead last in final third entries, dead last in box entries, dead last in crosses completed in the penalty area, and dead last in expected threat. Other than Alanga, they haven't made any significant additions to their offense. Other getting other than getting Awanawi healthy. So now they're supposed to be an odds-on favorite against a Sheffield United team that, yes, has sold some <laughs> players. And, like, yes, their offense is is pretty inept at this point. But this is a Sheffield United defense that last season only allowed .89 expected goals per 90 in the championship. They play five at the back. They play very compact. They're also this, – this stat here really – caught me when I was going through Sheffield United, especially their performances in the championship over. Cause obviously in the championship, you play 46 matches over 46 matches. They only conceded nine total expected goals off of set pieces. They are a really, really solid compact defense. And yes, they did concede 1.9 expected goals to crystal palace, but it was really just one mistake inside the six yard box that Edward put in that shot at a XG rating of 0.64. Crystal palace took 23 other shots beyond that one. It only created 1.26 expected goals the rest of the match. So it wasn't like, you know, Crystal Palace had created a bunch of chances. Like they took a ton of shots, ton of them were low quality, and United just made one mistake at the back. So I agree, Michael. I have Nottingham Forest projected at plus 142. I think it's insane that they're this high. Uh, I, I get that they're at home, and I get that United doesn't really have much of an offensive threat right now. But come on, like this is this is crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm going to bet Sheffield United uh, right after I pass this to Anthony here. So you'll, you'll see, you'll get a, even a better number on, on United uh, if you wait, because uh, with the way my betting went last week, the bookmakers are going to say, oh, Lebuff, he's on, he's on the blades. Let's make him six to one. Uh, yeah, just, it, I mean, these, there's just not this wide of a gap between these two teams, especially in the second week of a season. Like, we're not talking about a team being scrapped for depth or anything like that like this is a, a different beast from a, a february game where maybe sheffield united's in a little bit of trouble because of their their budget but are they going to score like are they going to be able to create i don't know I, like it i like them I, a half my, I mean, minus 115 at home is like not that crazy to me for for I, this match yeah Why? i mean sheffield like no forest came into the league as the second worst team last year there are now worse teams i think and like we could be wrong, like Sheffield United, we need more data on them. Luton, we need more data. Like we can't have a, a direct opinion uh, that, that that's particularly strong power rating at this moment. So there certainly is some variance in that. But they did give up a ton of shots to Palace. The Palace didn't get over twenty shots. They had one one time all of last season they got over twenty shots, and it was against Leicester. And we all know what happened with them. They didn't get over nineteen in any other match. Sheffield completed 60% of their passes. Every other team in the league was at, at least 67. So like it was it was really bad. They were at home. First match. Like that's a great spot against 
against a Palace team that we have all been kind of down on saying like, well, you know, they lost Zaha, Elise didn't play, like they have no attack. How are they going to score? And they went out and just like lived in the Sheffield penalty area. So yeah, I have no interest here. I'm not laying it with Forrest, but I think that the, the line's right. Coming into the season, uh, the, this this was basically the second and third favorite for relegation. Yeah. Like these aren't these aren't good Premier League. There teams, was a so big I, gap between them. Yeah, no, there is, but and there still is. Like you look at you look at the odds right now. Sheffield United's like minus two twenty now to be relegated after one match, and uh, you know Nottingham Forest is like two to one, maybe a little bit north of two to one. So I, I get that there's a gap, but it's yeah. These Forrest aren't didn't, Forest didn't play well again. Uh, they played well, quote unquote, against Arsenal because their back line actually did a really nice job, like defending under a lot of pressure. But they weren't like. Stick oh. to Arsenal at any point in that match. Like it was a lot of just defend and and pray, and and they did some really good last ditch defending. But again, it's like you know, Taiwo comes on scores. Like when he's on the pitch, they're not a bad attack. Yeah, and I mean, Brendan Johnson had a chance that he's terrible early on, but <laughs> he is horrible. He he is. I mean, they, they need somebody. Who was it that's in for him? For, oh, West Ham are offering 40, 40 plus million Brent, for Brendan Brentford Johnson. was in for him too. That that is a little crazy to me too, but yeah, Brennan Johnson like played all of last year and was just not good. Uh, yeah, all right. So a little disagreement here. Good, I I I, I just I can't. I'm with you, Michael. Yeah, I can't see this number being like this. Um, Fulham and Brentford now 10 a.m. Uh, on Saturday. There's no 7:30 uh, because City's playing at 3 p.m. Eastern time. BJ Super Bowl. Yeah, this is. Uh... <laughs> I have I have many Super Bowls throughout the season, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a uh, uh, Fulham plus one seventy at home, Bournemouth a slight, slight, slight road favorite plus one sixty two, and the draw plus two forty. We'll, we'll talk more about it when we get to Everton, but it was the same song and dance for Fulham. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this does happen too. Uh, we'll like target a team, we'll have them circled. Uh, as a regression candidate for the next season. And then the first game, I feel like they always just come out and catch all the breaks and the other team can't finish. And then eventually it does catch up to them. It's, I mean, it's Brentford or, or nothing here. And I just was wishing for a little bit of a bigger number, but I'll probably still do it. Bees, uh, yep. BJ, what about you? Yep. Bees draw no bet minus 112. This is about as simple as it gets uh, on this podcast. I mean, listen, it's a long season. Like these things are going to happen. I'm not going to sit here and just berate Fulham because I got unlucky because I had Everton. I mean, it is what it is. They've, they've done this to me before. They'll continue to do it. Conceded 2.7 expected goals. Everton somehow couldn't score any of them. For some reason, Michael Leno just spilled the ball in the penalty area, but somehow it was a foul, even though they, they put it in. Um, yeah, that was bad. Fulham gets a big scoring chance. They convert it. And uh, yeah, that's about how it goes. Everton took 10 of the first 11 shots in that match and created three big scoring chances. So what are you going to do? Fulham, still without Paulinho. That's massive for them, as we've seen throughout many times last year and the match against Everton. Brentford, uh, you know, they smashed him at the Brentford Community Stadium last season. Mitrovic was on the pitch for all 90 minutes there. As of today, it looks like Mitrovic is off to Saudi Arabia, uh, which means that it's going to be the Raul Jimenez show up top. For Fulham, uh, hey, he looked okay takes against. Away, which really, I, takes I thought he was away. pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he's, against Everton, he's okay, but he got you know one shot and one one aerial duel. You know, hit the post. Not, yeah, yeah, maybe not the best, but you know, um, with him up top, you know, if 
we'll see what kind of production they get over fall season. But the one big advantage they had here is Brentford does allow a lot of crosses into their penalty area. That's something Fulham obviously was very good at last season because they had Mitrovic. Well, without him and Raul Jimenez up top, that might take away the one big advantage they have. Fulham was also bottom three in defending set pieces, which is always bad news when you're facing Brentford. Um, this is just, yeah. I mean, Anthony's probably going to tell you the market's getting a little drunk on Brentford here, and it, it kind of is. But, I mean, I have Brentford projected at plus 124. So I'll take him draw no bet at minus 112. Yeah, I mean, Brentford played well against Spurs. I thought they were a pretty even game. You know, Tottenham... Uh, you know, I think in a way, you know, we talk about Brentford at home and how good they've been. Brentford going on the road and sitting in their kind of like rest defense and then waiting for Fulham to give the ball away and then destroying them in transition, like, is a decent path to success. And with Fulham, they did sign uh, crossing legend Adama Traore. So it's true, they did. I forgot. Be on the lookout for him as like an 80th minute super sub to score two quick goals when the bees are up one nil, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the meetings between these two teams last year, Brentford clearly was the better team in every category you can possibly imagine. But, you know, pick them on the road. The, the question you're asking is, like, is that worth is, – is that about – does home field advantage account for the gap in the two teams? You you could maybe tell me that it, it's not big enough, like what BJ said, and that it should just still be the Bs. You could also tell me that uh, it's about right. So it would be Bs or nothing. Uh, I imagine if Mitro's out, this line does start to move. Uh, but he did play, uh, you know, off the bench and uh, and isn't sold yet. So we will see on his front. Yeah, but yeah I mean, they just got destroyed. Yeah, according to our Bern, friend. Bern Leno. Yeah, Bern Leno. Gosh. 3.3 um, goals saved based on post-shot expected goals. The second best in the Prem was 0.9. So he was almost four times better than every other goalie in the yep. league. Um, and, of course, Neil Mape. Yeah, as of uh, our our good friend uh, Fabrizio Romano, that Al Halal are finalizing a move for Alexander Mitrovic today. So looks like it's done. Uh, and like everybody else who's come on this show, uh, Fabrizio tells no lies. No. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Liverpool and Bournemouth, uh, home opener for the Reds, uh, Anthony's Reds at Anfield. They are minus 450 at Bet365, Bournemouth 10 to 1 on the money line, and the draw is plus 550. Uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, I think Spurs and uh, Brentford was like this too, that the crazy first half, a lot of fun, and then things kind of petered out as they tried to kind of manage the game a little bit more. It seemed like Liverpool looked like they were going to run away and hide in those first 15 minutes, uh, and then things started to go awry defensively, especially uh They've come undone. Like this team comes undone. I feel like 
very simply. Uh, you know, one one quick ball over the top, and like it's almost like they they dare you to. They're unimpressed by you know Route One football, and they they think it should be like illegal or something because uh, if you can unlock this defense with one decent ball, twenty yards uh, up the pitch, and that's what Chelsea started to do a little bit. And uh, both teams you know had some VAR stuff and whatever, but it was a, a fun match. I thought uh, I came away being a little bit more impressed with Chelsea and a little kind of uh, questioning Liverpool's defense. And I think they could be in a little bit of trouble here, uh, Anthony. Your Reds for the season or in this match or both? No, I, I mean generally, I think in the season they'll they'll be they'll get it sorted. But I, I think this match, like I just think it's going to take a little bit of time. Like there's a lot of turnover here, especially in in, a, in the middle of the field. Like there's a lot of experience that's walked out of this this team, and a lot of kind of you know guys who played together for forever uh, under the same manager that now being replaced and. Uh, I think that's that shows up early in the season here, and and I actually don't mind taking a shot here on the cherries. I agree. Uh, if you follow me in the Action Network app, the award-winning Action Network app, then you know I already bet Bournemouth plus two point two five before a ball was kicked this season. I still like them at plus two at plus one point seven five. I would no longer bet the cherries, but uh, look, you can already see the impact of Iriola in one match last season. Bournemouth had the second uh, lowest or highest rather pass completion rate allowed. So only West Ham allowed a higher pass completion rate. They were very passive out of possession. They did not really press at all. 82%. One match. It is one match. It's West Ham. So West Ham without Declan Rice. Okay. I don't think they're going to be second by the season's end, but Bournemouth was the second lowest pass completion rate allowed 67%. And that is everything that, Areola did at Viacano that made them a thorn in the side of every top team they played over and over again, whether it was Barca or Real, especially those two. They beat Barca multiple times, beat Real a couple times, played some crazy back and forths with them. They make it a very frenetic game. And Liverpool is comfortable playing that pace, but Liverpool is going to be vulnerable in transition, very much so. And Bournemouth, you know, they showed the seeds of it last year with their fun attacking group. I think they can do this again. I think they probably lose this game. But I could see very much like a 2-1-3-2 kind of game here that Liverpool struggles to separate because their defense is so vulnerable. I had the spot circled before the season. Uh, the unique press that they play, it's hard to game plan for. It's you know Most teams, you know, you, you, you see Bournemouth on the calendar, you're not expecting that. You see Rio Vallecano on the calendar, you're not expecting that. I do think Bournemouth can give them a game this weekend. I like the plus two and uh, wouldn't be shocked if they pulled off an upset at Anfield. Uh, anything for you here, BJ? Yeah, I'm... I'm passing. I'm I'm staring at both teams to score right now. It's just it's you know you can find it what, as low it right as now? Minus, minus one twenty eight. Yeah, Bournemouth was minus one forty five to score here. So yeah, um, so that's a very interesting price for me looking at that. If anything, that's where I'd go or a Bournemouth to score. Um, yeah, I mean Anthony mentioned. So the problems that Liverpool have now is that especially playing a team like Bournemouth that can really wreck you in transition, which they did last season at uh, Vitality Stadium. Um, they did that. They scored against them, and the match ended one nothing. Um, but the thing that's happening with Liverpool is that since they don't have a defensive midfielder, and because they keep wanting to invert Trent Alexander-Arnold into the middle of the pitch, well, now they're playing a back three with Konate, who is great at ball covering. He's probably their most versatile defender. Van Dijk, who's old and can't cover like he used to, 
and Andy Robertson is not really a, a defender. He's more of like a left mid who's playing as a left back right now because, you know, obviously Alexander Arnold Robertson, why they've been so good over the years is those guys getting forward down the wings and creating chances via crosses. So when you put Trent Alexander Arnold in the middle of the pitch, well, if Konate is sitting in the back and he wants to go out from that back three and try to defend somebody out wide in transition, well, the person who's got to drop is Trent Alexander Arnold. He's just not a good defender. So Liverpool's got this weird conundrum and against Chelsea, you know, they set a lot of pressing traps. They didn't just all out blitz them or press high because they were playing McAllister as a six, which is kind of concerning to see when you're sitting back there. Cody Gakba was playing as like a left wing back for a little while. Um, it's just kind of moving part. I don't know. It's not a mess, but it's just kind of moving parts now with Liverpool that makes them kind of vulnerable defensively. So I, I, I agree with Anthony. I mean, I might sprinkle a little bit on the Bournemouth money line. I think they definitely have a chance here to, to pull off an upset. Uh, all three of us uh, on the Bournemouth money line. I, I have a feeling was... by nine, like last year. Yeah, oh, no, they will. It's it's absolutely possible. Uh, on to Wolves and Brighton. Markets had fun with this one. Oh boy, yes. Wolves are plus two eighty at the time of recording. Uh, Brighton odds on on the road minus one ten to draw plus two seventy five. After Brighton's game, the line uh, shot up. I bet it right before Wolves and United played because I started to get nervous, even though I I, I knew and, and uh, that Wolves would give United a game. Uh, so I, I got a probably should have won that one. They, no, they should have yeah. won. And I think I was, that's was the point I was going to make is that I think of almost every team. I think Newcastle uh, number one came out of match week one as the the team that kind of got the most accolades and uh, top of the table. Number number two was probably Brighton. And then I think number three is actually Wolves in a, in a losing effort yep. against United. Uh, they, they were really good. I thought they might it, it was like, yet. it was a, a swashbuckling performance from Wolverhampton. We'll see what they, I mean, they got to add to the squad. Cause it's, it's like it, one thing when the team won't. is <laughs> like, <laughs> what's, 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 why left. <laughs> I know. Like it's one thing if you to do it when you're, you have your best 11, but like I was saying earlier, when we get towards, the colder months and people are hurt and stuff like that's when it's going to really start to trickle uh, for, for wolves. Um, and then obviously the line comes back down after that wolves performance. So Brighton's back at uh, minus minus one ten, which is about what they were when we recorded last week, when you guys were saying, you know, bet Brighton now. Um, I still believe in that even despite the wolves performance, I think that uh, Brighton's a good bet here at minus one ten. I think, even if they they catch a little bit of that steam back that they saw uh, in between their matches uh, in match week one, I would still bet the Seagulls. Uh, this is a I don't I just still don't don't believe that this Wolves team is going to be able to, to do that again. And all credit to them, like that was a a front yeah. foot like we'll go toe to toe with Manchester United, but it was at Old Trafford under the lights, like a little bit of a different score. situation. Hmm? No, they did not score. I mean, they should have had a penalty. Yeah, they yeah, they hit yeah. crossbar. It's it was it was a good score. it was a good show yeah. How many times but, have we seen that from Wolves? I mean, I mean why do we, I I not not that, that not, it wasn't it wasn't like that usually it was usually you know okay, they weren't usually that good. On the I, Wolves, it was guys, like two years ago when they played. Can't possibly be this bad at finishing again. Yeah, it was like two years ago. Remember we remember we bet Wolves all the time like two years ago. Yeah, like United and Tottenham, and then yeah, and it was the same thing. It was we are not going to have the ball. We're going to yep. wait for our transitions, and then we're going to have like these fun guys. Like Pedro Neto was like the best player in the league yep. for a brief period of time. And now sure, it's right. like, well, then they went to Lopetegui ball, 
and even Bruno Lodge ball. And it was yeah. like the Bruno Lodge ball, keep the ball and do nothing. And that was terrible. But here's the thing. They had 16 high turnovers against Manchester United in that match at Old Trafford. If Anthony Garnacho, I mean, Anthony Garnacho and Rashford could not have played worse. Like there were so many times where they just had the ball and when they should have passed, they dribbled. And when they should have dribbled, they passed. And when they should have shot, they didn't. Or they, you know, like everything was awful with Man United, the front three. And yet, like Wolves still give up two XG, like looked really under the cosh against the press for large stretches. When they broke through, yes, they were very good. But Brighton, uh, I think, is one better than Man United. I've been saying this all year. And two, I agree with the first market move. I think minus 130, 135 is about right. I don't think minus 105, minus 110 is. So I'm going to take the goals who had uh, the most attacking penalty area touches, the most expected goals. Uh, Ferguson came on, looked amazing. Matoma was Matoma. They could have had more than four if they finished better. Uh, I know it was Luton Town, but... Like, do we really think Wolves are going to replicate this? Because, like, we've seen Wolves have these kind of games before. I I thought that had more to do with United than Wolves. Even though I like Cunha, like Cunha and Pedro Neto are, like, fun dribbler players. But, like, mm. Yeah, the last time I saw Wolves look that impressive was every time they play Everton. <laughs> they just dominate. But they do finish. Win. But they always finish. They always finish against win. Everton. Yeah, they always finish. That was their last away win. They beat Everton yeah. 2-1 in stoppage time. That was uh, in January. BJ, you're also on Brighton here, so oh, yeah. um, so here's the conundrum that Wolves is in right now. Because like I, I agree, like with Anthony, that yes, like they succumb to United's press pretty, pretty easily. But so when you face Brighton, you have one of two options: you can either play really aggressively, try and blitz them, and try to create high turnovers when they try to obviously bait you in because they are so aggressive, or you can sit back and you can play very passive and sit in the low block and try to defend all of their attackers for 90 minutes. I mean, either one of them is very difficult. You know, you have to be an elite pressing team like Newcastle to beat up Brighton, or you have to be an elite low block team to actually keep them out. Wolves is neither of those. They last season, they were bottom half of the league in every single pressing category that you can imagine. Brighton was the number one team in offensive passes per defensive action, meaning they were the best team at playing through pressure in the premier league. And then you look at how Wolves defended in a low block, 13th in expected goals allowed, 16th in shots, 16th in box entries allowed, 15th in final third to box entry conversion rate allowed, along with being very average at defending set pieces. And then you also couple that with the fact that they sold Nathaniel Collins and they're starting Craig Dawson in their back line. All of it is just a really, really bad combination if you're trying to defend a top four offense and Deserby and Gary O'Neill played each other twice when O'Neill was uh, at Bournemouth and Brighton created 4.9 expected goals in those two matches and really just completely pinned them in for the full 90 minutes and just created chance after chance after chance. So I'm with you guys. I like Brighton minus 110. Okay. Spurs and uh, United. We just kind of alluded to what United did uh, against Wolves in, in that last conversation. Uh, nonetheless, they're still a road favorite plus 137. Uh, going to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Mark had fun with this one too. Spurs plus one eighty-seven. Uh, the draw plus two seventy-five. Anthony, you um, Spurs are your your second or third team now. It's hard to keep track. You got a, a Brentford uh, avatar on X dot com. You are a diehard Liverpool 
Jurgen Klopp truther, and you got your Crystal Palace scarf on. Um, but you also say you're a Tottenham fan. Don't forget Brighton. It's true. Yeah, so there's a lot going on here. What are your thoughts? You know, I thought Spurs played pretty well against Brentford. I wasn't yeah. sure what to expect going into the match. Uh, there were some I told you exactly what to expect, and I was right. <laughs> the high they were going to be good. Michael loves no, they were just going to be good. Michael, they were going to be a really good, uh, yeah. fun team to watch. And look, like positive. It was classic Brentford. Moving the ball quick. Yeah, and and Van de Ven played really well. Uh, Romero going off with a concussion hurts because I, I can't imagine he turns around and plays in this match. They're going to need him. That, uh, you know, makes me a little concerned, especially because they're going to try to play out from the back. That This this match is the first real test because we talked about Brentford and, like, Brentford is very passive defensively. They pretty much sat off the second half entirely and said, okay, we're going to let you have the ball, do your little passing. You're just not going to get into our final third. And you're not going to get into our penalty area. And that's what happened. I mean, Spurs finished the match with 74 passes into the final third, just six into the penalty area. So the attacks were breaking down consistently against Brentford because Brentford, that's what they do. This is an entirely different setup. United is going to press. And if they press as effectively as they did against Wolves, there's going to be high turnovers because Sanchez and Dicey and the fullbacks are not great passers and, I have my concerns about that, and that's why I bet the over two and a half. Uh, it's, it's been juiced up a little bit. It may come back toward game time, but if you can get you know one forty, one fifty or better, I think two and a half is t- just too low for this total. And and overs uh, are going to be a thing, and uh, at least until the market adjusts. Then on the other side, like I'm concerned about United because Casemiro what? played like the worst match maybe I've ever seen him play. That really? that was stunning transition defense. Like they. <laughs> Martinez kept, uh, Lissandro Martinez kept getting pushed up the pitch as a part of like a possession thing. And then when they lost the ball, if they got by him, it was just free run at the, at the goal. I mean, there was nothing else. So United allowed the second most touches in the penalty area of any team in the league this year. They ran out of gas. They were totally out of gas in the last 10 minutes. I mean, they had, they, they literally sent a supporter on the pitch to try to, to try to add an extra man in the final <laughs> five minutes. And then the penalty, we don't have to talk about it because, Obviously, we can all agree it was, but it, whatever, it's a penalty. They were barely defending for their lives, like barely hanging on against a Wolves team that has like no actual attacking quality. So, you know, there, there are concerns about United defensively that we have echoed on this show repeatedly and said like they can't possibly be rated this high defensively. They're not a good defense. They were not a good defense last year. And I think Tottenham, you know, Tottenham is figuring some things out. Sonat wide in the system didn't look great. So maybe they move him centrally. Richarlison played badly. Maybe they, you know, th- there are things they can do to tweak this. Get LaCelso maybe in there for skip. Move Kulisevsky inside. I think you're going to see some tweaking with Ange as he tries to figure out what the best way to break down teams is. But this match, it's kind of similar to Liverpool-Chelsea with me with like, the midfields are just going to kind of be there and, and Tottenham is going to give the ball away high a lot and be exposed out wide. And then they're going to break through United a bunch and, and get their chances. So, you know, I don't think United's good enough to be a road favorite at Spurs. So I like Tottenham pick them and I like the over as well. I think this is a, you know, two, one, two, two kind of game. Yeah. I mean, brevity is the essence of wit, right? And I think your last statement there is all I'll need to say is that United's just not good enough. Uh, and they, they showed it match week one to uh, be a road favorite against a team that I I think is still uh, a buy. Like this Spurs team is a play on team and, and uh, nothing that I saw in uh, on, on Sunday changes that. I think they'll give up goals, but they're going to 
score and James Madison maybe yeah, uh, Madison looked awesome. Yep. I was impressed by them. And you know, Brentford away is a really tough fixture. There's a reason yeah. nobody wins there. No, it was. Um and and also just the way the game went, right? Like you you go up, then you go down. You know, the, I thought Vicario was Dyson. playing like a sociopath in goal. That's uh, the thing that's kind of scary though, like United, they can press. Yeah. And turn him over, and yeah, yeah. but I like even if, if if Spurs if Spurs go down early in this game, I think it's a great live bet as well. Like I I I think that I think Spurs have a have a profile of a a team that is uh, going to be a, a live better's dream, uh, especially against teams like United and another you know of the big eight as we'll call them now. Uh, what we're doing now the the uh, you know Liverpool kind of profiles this way too. This is like very Liverpool early Klopp when they didn't yep. have a defense and they were just kind of crazy. And I think this Ange team could be similar. Uh, I do worry a little bit about like what the attack output looks like, but yeah, Ange, Ange has uh, already won me over the, uh, you know, the, the defensive flaws existed, but the game was, you know, relatively even we, you know, dominated the shots and they had better chances because they're Brentford, but it was good, good, good match, entertaining too. Which I forgot to bet Wisa anytime goal scorer too. Which United noted on Tottenham last year when Tottenham was at like the low of lows. It was right after they got destroyed by Newcastle. They were down like eight zero at halftime, and Tottenham went down two 0 early and then came storming back and like dominated the second half. And that was you know the similar situation. Nobody wanted to bet Tottenham. They were a home dog, and they got the draw. Uh, BJ three for three here. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, so here's, I have a trivia question for you guys against the top nine teams away from home. How many points did Manchester United have last season? Five. Say less. It's gotta be less than 10. Two. Jesus. At Spurs and at Chelsea. At Chelsea. Every other match they lost and they had a minus 12 expected goal. They kept it close at Anfield, right? (laughs) Yeah. Kept it close at Newcastle. Kept it close at Newcastle. Kept it close at Very competitive at Manchester City. Very competitive. Yeah. I mean, this has just happened time and time and time and time and time again. And yet now they're still (laughs) a road favorite. And I mean, here's the problem. And Anthony kind of hit the nail on the head is that Ten Hag wants his team, you know, his Ajax teams were always the most possession dominant build up style teams that could just counter press their way through the year to Vise and nobody really could build out from them. Well, now he's trying to play that style. He adds Mason. He plays Mason Mount alongside Bruno Fernandes. Neither of them are good counterpressers. So once you get by that first line of defense, it's Casemiro. And that's it for until you get to the back line of the defense. And guess yeah. what? Casemiro is kind of getting old. And he makes one bad step and boom. That's what you see is Wolves just has chance after chance in transition. So if Wolves is able to create 2.2 expected goals, get 18 penalty box touches... What do you think Tottenham's going to be able to do? I get it. I agree. I agree with Anthony that it is a little bit scary that Tottenham's trying out this new build-up style that it will eventually, I think, become very, very good and they'll be a consistent top six team. But, you know, it's it's how can you back United on the road here, especially as a favorite? So uh, I like Tottenham. Draw a bet at plus 115. I do project this match dead on at a pick you know, obviously using yeah, exactly. priors uh, without making really much adjustments. So three for three. Three for three on Brighton. Three for three on Spurs. Maybe we'll make it three for three on this next team too. Mm, you'd like that. Everton. Yep. Uh, traveling to Aston Villa. Uh, and what better time than right before we talk about Everton to introduce you to Caldera Lab. 
it's a skincare routine that uh, I like to do in the morning right before I brush my teeth. And look, when you're betting on as many terrible soccer teams as we all are, you're going to want to have a decent skincare routine. And that's exactly what Caldera Lab is. It's just three products, the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate is a face wash. The base layer is the moisturizer. And the good is a serum I use at night to reduce my visible wrinkles, um, most of which are caused by betting on Everton, the team we're about to talk about next. And just for our audience, you are wonderful Wonder Goal listeners. We have an exclusive offer, their best offer anywhere. Use the code GOAL at calderalab.com. That's C-A-L-D-E-R-A-Lab.com. And you get 20% off. Once again, the offer code is GOAL at calderalab.com. 20% off to make you look younger and like you don't bet on soccer. So that's what you want. You don't want people knowing that you're going to be betting Everton. Skincare is important because I do a lot of sweating before 10 a.m. Eastern. So I got to clean slate for the day after soccer's over. My first Everton bet of the year. I'm so excited. I missed out on that bloodbath <laughs> last weekend. I felt really like Oh, my God. And so I, I just... watched the game and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, here's, no. Here, here's a quick anecdote. Uh, so so Everton's traveling to Villa this weekend. Um, Villa's minus 150. Everton, four to one on uh, the three-way line and the draws. Three to one. Uh, my brother... My older brother Dave, he's a he's a big Spurs guy. Uh, invited me over so that our daughters can can play while we watched Everton. And I texted him back, yes, only because I think that they're going to win. Like I actually feel really good about this game. Don't want Isla to see me when Everton is. They've, she's already seen me like you know enough when they're losing games to Wolves and Bournemouth and stuff. So I don't. She already knows her dad's a loser. I don't want to keep reminding her, especially on a beautiful summer morning. Neil Mopai missed that first shot. It was it was a great take. It was shot from just outside the box. And I was like, damn, they look good. And then they proceeded just to, to kick the ball at Burn Leno, uh, mostly f- off the foot of, of Neil Mopai. And my brother, God bless him, just kept reminding me, they're they're gonna score. Like they're they're right there. They're right on the doorstep. Um and I, I agreed with him. I was like, Yeah, this is the goal is coming. Uh and then Michael Keane scores. The goal that gets disallowed. Yeah. And I'm in the other room and I hear him clap and he comes in. He's like, Keen just scored one nothing. And I was like, picked up Isla, come back in. And I she she was doing some some bullshit, so I couldn't even see the replay or anything. And I'm so I'm I just assumed that Everton's up one nil at this point for like four minutes. Oh no. And then I look up at the scoreboard, I see it's nil nil. And I'm like, What happened? He's like, Yeah, they they, they chalked it off or whatever. Left at halftime. And uh Isla got to see me just have an absolute meltdown uh, in, in the second half because it, it couldn't have been more obvious. And I, I know better. Like I know, I know so much better than to think that a Neil Maupai missed chance four minutes into a game from outside the box is a harbinger of good things to come. Against Fulham of all teams, Michael. What was I thinking? I have no idea. Anyways, I'm on Everton here. I think it's they, they played well. They they can't score. Neil Maupai will be leading the line again, most likely. And I. What happened to DCL? He was hurt, got hurt again, and <laughs> hurt again, and hurt again. And and Sean Dyche said that he, uh, his rehab, he's not done with his rehab. I, oh, I, I think they want him. They don't want him coming back for you know a thirty minute stint and then getting hurt again. They want they want yeah they they want him ninety minutes because they know they're going to get three games out of him. So they better all be three nineties. Um, but good news is that they they brought in a, a striker from uh, Sporting 
who's yep. a 19 year old project for the future. So he'll, he'll definitely help. And, but and, uh, most expected goals created uh, by Everton, if, if you went back to last year, no team created more expected goals without scoring a goal than they did against Fulham on, uh, on Saturday. How can you not bet them here? It's a great spot. I mean, I also like the over two and a half. Fine minus. They're not going to score. But Villa will probably score three. Tyrone Mings is now going to be out for an extended period of time. So that means it's going to be Pau Torres back there, which, yes, is going to be great for Aston Villa in their buildup play. But he's not a great defender. He's not a physical defender. He's not great on in, in the air. He's not great defending inside the box. And that's something that Tyrone Mings really provided for Aston Villa. He was their best latch-ditch defender, blocking shots, defending inside the penalty area, being one of the best aerial dual winners in the Premier League. Losing that is going to be incredibly key for them. And Aston Villa as well, I mean, Unai Emery is is kind of limiting his team because he just wants to play out of the back. He doesn't really want to try and even play in transition. It's just have to build it out of the back, have to build it out of the back. And that's what kind of what you saw against Newcastle is they just beat them up. They forced a bunch of high turnovers and got in transitional opportunities, and that was that. Michael, <laughs> do you know who created the second most high turnovers other than Manchester United in match week one? Everton. Everton forced 14 high turnovers against Fulham. They were, they were so good, except for the most important John thing. John Deitch, he's not a low block guy anymore. We've, when we've said this a million times, but he's going to come out. He's going to press you. He's going to make this thing high event style, back and forth. And that's exactly what he did to Aston Villa on February 25th last year. I don't know if you remember that match, but Everton oh, yeah. won the expected goals battle. They were by far the better team. And then Aston Villa makes a penalty. They convert a transitional opportunity and they win the match to nothing despite, you know, losing on non-penalty expected goals 1.9 to 0.9. So at Everton. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that match. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I love Everton here. I love over two and a half. Um, Sean Deitch matches since he took over last season are averaging well over three expected goals. Unai Emery matches since he took over on November 1st are averaging 2.7 expected goals. So a total of two and a half just sitting at minus 110 for a match that is most likely going to be very up and down for an Aston Villa team that wants to build it out of the back for an Everton team that's going to press them high. It's going to create a lot of chaos. So like over two and a half. And I like Everton as well. It, I, I think part of what what's made Deitch kind of uh, embrace a more hostile defensive press is that when when Everton win the ball, like they they've got great progressors. Like Awobi's awesome. So like they 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 I think in the center their their center uh, of their defense can can still be a headache with especially when Michael Keane's in. But everything was working. Uh, Ashley Young, maybe uh, maybe he he can earn an England call up to to Euro if he keeps playing uh, as well as he did as a thirty nine year old. But every, everything was working. But then the ball ends on on Neil Mopai's uh, foot, and look, I'm rooting for the guy. I, I obviously, and it's just you just sit there and you wonder how it's harder. It's it's got to be harder at this point for for this guy to to missing these chances than than to banking them. But like I said, Everton plus plus four, they're as high as plus four fifty. Yeah, Villa no Buendia for a while. Uh, Ming's out, Ramsey out, Bale Ramsey's out. Yeah, like it's a lot of losses to that midfield, to that attacking group that like wasn't that good last year. Like they were fine, but uh, I think Everton turns them over a bunch and uh, is live here. So I agree. 
All right, uh, let's finish up uh, the Premier League section with these last two matches, West Ham and Chelsea. Uh, the Hammers plus 300 at home. They drew uh, Bournemouth 1-1. <laughs> uh, Chelsea minus 110. The draw is plus 260. Ah, this is an easy pass for me. I'm I'm, I'm not going near it. Uh, DJ, I'm curious. Like, Do you have West Ham favorite here? No, I, I made huge. I made massive adjustments to Chelsea. Oh, you did? All right. I did. We just went no, off the last I, I made those massive and adjustments, and all I could get was Chelsea plus 130. So... We'll see. Yeah, this is if you just went off of like last year's data, this is a crazy line for Chelsea to be a road favorite. At yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but I, I, I mean, it's an interesting conversation yeah, to have. Is like, how far does it go in favor of Chelsea? Does like is Moises Caicedo this good? Is he the best player in the league? They still can't score at West Ham. I didn't think they played well against Bournemouth at all. Couldn't string together passes. They had a couple good transitions. They had you know a couple moments, but. Uh, couldn't control the game. Like just, I mean, you gave up 60% of the ball to Bournemouth. You know, it was fine. I was not impressed. So yeah, I kind of want to pass here and just watch this match. And I think we'll learn a lot about both teams. Yeah. If, I mean, if you're looking for spots. I Under mean, maybe. I mean, Chelsea, you know, we talked about their lack of shots and West Ham's lack of shots. Yeah. It's so I hard. I got a Chelsea under they score every shot. I mean, West Ham is, they're bad. It looks like Piquetta's gone. Um, I don't know if maybe if he sticks around for this match for one more swan song. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could talk me into West Ham, but I have Chelsea projected at plus 130, and that's after making some pretty sizable bumps for them for their transfer market activity and new manager and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, like Anthony said, if you're just going purely unexpected goal differential from last season, I mean, this line is insane. Um yeah, yeah. I, th- I think uh, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea, Spurs are probably the two teams that I would say, outside of the newly promoted side, said like I think you can kind of punt the numbers from from last year a little bit, yeah, because uh, it's just so hard to work in these adjustments. A lot of pencil and paper handicapping, and um, I think it was John Champion who was calling their game against Liverpool, who used the word insipid to describe Chelsea last year and they're just not going to be insipid this year. So it's, it's hard to take the data from an insipid season and put it uh, and apply it to a team that should improve drastically. Yeah, uh, it's true, it's but also at the same half token, of their like, minutes, half of their minutes, right. half their XG gone. Yeah, exactly. But then you know, they also look at this and you, but then you have to look at the line and you say Chelsea minus minus one twelve, <laughs> and you just sit there and you look at that and you say, obviously they're way, way better. But how far do we go? Right. If 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 this was April first, like we'd all be we'd, we'd oh, be yeah, talking. Chelsea yeah. were like minus one ten at Wolves last year. I bet it, and they lost. Yeah. But like, how is this? I mean, how is that right now? Yeah. That makes more sense. Chelsea minus one ten at West Ham is like whoa. Yep. Yeah. Market's very down on the Hammers too, which is interesting. They are. They, I mean, given that line at Bournemouth, I thought we'd get a better number, and I would get a better number here. All right. So pass for us. Uh, Let's wrap it up here with your Arsenal, BJ. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Monday Night Football at uh, Selhurst Park. Palace is plus 500. Roy Hodgson, baby. <laughs> Trying to fight people. Uh, God love the man. Uh, it's just... Is that what happened? It looked like... Judge yeah. Was... Yeah. yeah he, he didn't like it, which... Hey. I wouldn't either. Roy. Um, Arsenal's minus 175 on the road. The draw is uh, 3-1. to one. We uh, remember this fixture from last year because it was the opening fixture in uh, Palace. Ran the show, but we're very unlucky. 
right uh, against Arsenal in a in a two nil loss. I think that this number looks right. It's, it's another pretty easy pass, which is unfortunate. Cherry and Timber uh, for Arsenal is out for yeah. the season. Um, yep. So much for that defensive depth that BJ was hyping. Yeah. Now we got Tommy Oster back. We're okay. Yeah. Well, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, we also are one injury away from Rob Holding. I'm on. The, I'm on the the Eagles at home. Uh, 1.25. I'm all over the Eagles. Uh, minus 115 ish. I'd bet it. Right now, the way it's sitting. Um, yeah. I mean, look, we talked about Arsenal. Like, if Saka and Martinelli run this good all year, like they did last year, they're going to be really, really good again. If they progress at all, then they're in the top four race. I think it's, you know, it, it, Palace are still going to be a very difficult defensive team to break down. They're just not going to be able to score against any good teams. PJ? Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, I, I mean, I don't really see a path here for Crystal Palace scoring. You know, Timber, losing Timber obviously hurts, but Arsenal, they have, they have Def, they have Kiwar, they have, they slotted Ben White into a right center back position, played Thomas Party as a right back so that he could invert alongside Declan Rice, which gives them more solidity and transitional defending. So it's going to be very difficult for Crystal Palace to actually score here if they want to play a transitional type match. So, um, but yeah, the number looks about right for me. I had Arsenal projected at minus 133. So um, if I had to bet anything and if I was neutral, I guess you could make a case that, you know, the number on Palace is it maybe has a little bit of expected value. But again, I don't really want to get anywhere near the Palace attack. BJ showing value against his gunners regularly is always fun. I am because uh, yeah. my projections are unbiased. Like unlike because they they overperformed their numbers badly. Like well, yeah, Anthony sprinkles in the the Liverpool adjustment automatically. Does. does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly—it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Okay, uh, let's let's move on. That's that's the Premier League done and dusted. Uh, we'll get back to it at the end of the show with our favorite bets. Um, to Germany now. Welcome back. Harry Kane. Harry Kane uh, at Bayern Munich. I think my favorite bet for, for this week in, in the Bundesliga is going to be Probably Bremen to, to to beat to beat Kane or to score first. He's minus two fifty as an anytime goal scorer. By the I way, I think Bayern um, has has won every one of these fixtures on this Friday opener six nothing for like I think yeah. seven years. They, no, they had that one against Gladbach. Uh, yeah, was, was that? Say, wait a second. Yeah, a couple a couple years ago. Oh, yeah, when destroyed them. It was the Joe Scally like, game. Joe Joe Scally. Right. I was gonna say it was like the, the Philly Schalke. kid. I feel like they play yeah. Schalke every opening Friday and just beat them six nothing. Yeah. I don't remember last uh, year, but I do remember the the Bayern Gladbach yeah. three, the, the just electric factor two two maybe electric factory, and it was uh, we had like three yeah. xg and we should have won. Yeah, it was great. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'm I'm gonna try to play against Bayern here somehow and play against Kane, but uh, maybe Bremen to score first. I don't. I, yeah, exactly. Or 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 Kane to get red carded. Um, we'll, we'll have more conversations <laughs> about Bundesliga and Bayern in the future when we when we don't run super long on the Premier League discussion because we're running long here, but. Bayern under Tuchel have just not been good. They, they have. have. All right, Anthony, what's your favorite bet in Germany? Yeah, I mean, uh, what a matchup to start the season. Union Berlin against Mainz. Uh, Mainz plus a half, minus 110. I mean, we had this conversation. I, I think I bet it both fixtures last year. I bet the, the, the team on the road plus a half and just was like, this match ends in a draw more often than any other fixture in, in the Bundesliga because of how low event these two teams are. 
It's the same goal difference, same XG difference. Mines has a more valuable transfer team. You know, we like both managers. We think they both kind of get more out of their talent than what the talent suggests. But like, yeah, I mean, cool. Union's in the Champions League. They finished fourth last year. They ran unbelievably well to do it. You look at the way these squads project this year, they're not that much different from each other. So I'm going to take the half goal and, and probably end in a draw. Uh, BJ, what about you? Yeah, I like Leipzig. Draw no bet at plus 104. Why are they an underdog against Leverkusen, given what we saw last season? Like, I get that Leipzig has had a bunch of turnover and they've lost Sobosly and they've lost in Cuckoo. But we've talked, me and Anthony talked about this in our European preview, is that they've pretty much retooled and gotten been about the same offensively, adding Sesco, adding Obenda, adding Xavi Simones. They're just as good offensively as they were last season. And yes, Gvardiola leaving to Manchester City obviously hurts their defense, but they still have a solid back line. I mean, under Marco Rosa, they were one of the best defensive teams across Europe last season. That's not going to just going to completely drop off just because they lose one defender. Uh, And if you look at the underlying metrics, I mean, they were miles better than Leverkusen. So I'm really not so sure that a Leverkusen team that's not going to have Patrick Schick, that's going to be without one of their main defenders, that's going to be without, that obviously has lost Musa Diaby, should be even a home favorite here against Leipzig. So I like them drawing no bad uh, plus 104. Diaby was the great equalizer because he was so good at getting him behind and just like yeah. scoring a goal out of nothing. Losing him, I think, is pretty important for this team. Hard to replace. Uh, La Liga, it's just you, BJ. You're on an island. Not Mallorca, but an island. Oh, well, Atletico, Real Betis, over two and a half goals at plus 120. We can't keep hanging these over two and a halves at plus money with Atletico. Michael, Diego Simeone, I've said this many times, he's changed. He's a changed man. No Him more and Sean four, Deitch. They, no they more 4-4-2 four, four, low block. It is high event, foot on the pedal, attacking football from Diego Simeone. Since the beginning of March, he switched his formation to a – uh, five three two three five two whatever to provide more width, you know, attack in the wide areas, create more space in the middle for Griezmann, Murata, Memphis Depay. His matches since that beginning of March first are averaging three point three seven expected goals. That's insane. And we saw it in the first match against Granada. They scored three goals, created about a three expected goals. Real Betis is, very, you know, a very very average La Liga team in terms of you know, they like to build out of the back. They like to play kind of slow possession, but. With Atletico's new style, we can't keep hanging these over two and a halves at plus 120. So I'm going to keep betting them uh, until the market adjusts. Uh, Syria A is back. It is. Welcome back, Italy. What do you got? What do you got? Oh, I got to, I mean, we can't kick off uh, a European, <laughs> European season without a both teams to score no, right? No. Lecce, Lazio, both teams to score no, minus 110. Lecce. Worst offensive team in Serie A last season, 0.83 non-penalty expected goals per 90, but did only allow around one expected goal per 90 defensively. So a very, very good defensive outfit, very, very good at defending their penalty area. Lazio just lost Milinkovic-Savic, who is their best ball progressor, best guy passing to Sierra Mobile for him to overperform. Uh, Lazio was a, a middling offensive team uh, in Serie A by expected goals. They obviously, we've moaned about them over and over again. They overperformed offensively like crazy. So uh, minus 110, I think is too short. I have this projected at minus 170. So uh, both teams have scored no in Lecce and Lazio. Anthony, you are also going to ring in a new Serie A season with a bet. Yeah, Bologna plus a half against AC Milan. Uh, I have my question marks about Milan's midfield. They, they brought in some fun signings, and I think they could end up better in the long run as a result. But... 
uh, and the, the signings being Yunus Musa, Christian Pulisic, Samuel Chiquese, uh, some fun wingers, especially Pulisic should start out wide uh, on the right for them this weekend. But uh, the midfield is just kind of a mess. They lost to Nali. They haven't replaced him. I'm really not still sold on Musa. He, he's not expected to start here. It could be a Krunic uh, at the base of midfield. He's kind of light and ball winning. Benacer is injured. And they, like I said, they lost to Anali. So I think there's going to be some growing pains for Milan here. Uh, and as a road favorite, pretty much even, uh, you know, minus a half on the road. I like Bologna plus a half catching that half goal um, because I, I think that Milan's going to grow into this season. I think they're going to struggle early. Meanwhile, Giroud, by the way, still getting over three shots per 90, which is crazy. Uh, he is 35. So the cliff could come at any time for Olivier, although I'm not betting against that happening because he's timeless and ageless. Incredibly good looking. Um, all right, Ligue 1, real quick. Uh, BJ, you can go first. Yeah, this is kind of shocking for me, but I like PSG minus 145. I'm <laughs> to lose. Um, Mbappe's back. Looks like they've squashed the beef. He's going to be back in the selection. Um, so this Neymar, is Neymar goes. Neymar's gone. Um, this number's just really, really too low for a team that's now going to have Mbappe. And I think the PSG signings over the summer, I think it's going to help them in the long run defensively, but they needed Mbappe offensively. Like, we can't be playing a front three of Asensio, Gonzalo Ramos, and Kangen Lee. Uh, if you're going to compete for the Champions League. So bringing Mbappe back really makes them better. Toulouse lost two of their best midfielders in the transfer window and didn't really replace them. Um, and PSG hammered them uh, in both meetings last season. So uh, I, I think minus 145 is far, far too short for a PSG team that's going to have Mbappe uh, this weekend on the road at Toulouse. All right, Anthony. Look, uh, in betting, we talk about the post-hype. Strasbourg two years ago, was a good team. Oh, they plus 0.3 XG difference per night. They were so good that BJ and I bought in like suckers and thought they could make a run no, in the top four. We did. They had a Murphy's Law season of which I am now willing to throw out and say that <laughs> we need to stop caring about everything that went wrong last year with this team because they've retooled, they've bolted up the midfield, improved the defense, and hired a manager that we all, I think, like here in Patrick Vieira and had a very impressive showing at home against Lyon last weekend. Uh, I know they got outshot in the end. I think it was like twenty three to twenty eight to seven, but fifteen of those shots came after they were up to two nil, uh, and they were winning on XG, winning on shots, outplaying them in the first eighty minutes, and then it was just a barrage from Leon at the end. Uh, now they are plus a half at Monaco, who ran really well defensively last year and really has some real holes. Um, and, and I really don't think there's that big of a gap between these two teams when you look at their underlying numbers anymore. Uh, and their talent level. So I'm going to take Strasbourg plus a half at Monaco. All right. And now uh, the moment we all look forward to all week, our three-leg underdog parlay. BJ, you're going to go first. Um, I'll go second. And then An- Anthony's going to bring us home with a doozy here. I, the, this parlay is going to pay out 306 or 307 to one. Oh, and three last weekend. Yeah. No. So not, o- it's, not only is it 307 to one, but we're due. Um and I I I love this thing. Yep, uh, kick it I, off. I got I got the shortest leg of this uh, parlay. Claremont foot. and the worst team and the worst team. <laughs> <laughs> Claremont foot plus three thirty on the road against Stad Reims post World Cup. These two had literally the exact same expected goal differential, and that was a Reims team with Florian Balagoon. They've lost him, which means you have to downgrade them significantly offensively. Claremont Foot did the double over Reims last season. Won, them, won both meetings, one early on in the season, and then one uh, later where they also won the expected goals battle. 
um, on the road against Reims. So I think for two teams that are essentially even, plus 330 is an insane price. I'm going with Everton, plus 450 yeah. uh, on the road at Aston Villa. That's, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it any further than that. It's it, they're gonna they're gonna lose two one or not probably one nil and and post uh one point eight xg. Uh, but you just got to be encouraged with what you saw, or try to be encouraged with what you saw out of Everton uh, in match week one. Meanwhile, Villa is going to be missing Mings. Emmy Bundia is probably out for the season. This looks like a team on kind of on solid footing. Uh, a lot of us expected Villa to be pretty stable. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case here in those first few weeks. This is a team I want to play against. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to use Everton to do it. So plus 450 on the Toffees. Come on, you blues. Anthony, usually I'm the one giving out 14 to 1 losers. Uh, but this time, it's you. Yeah, Bournemouth 12 to 1 against Liverpool. We talked about this in the section when we discussed Areola and how he impacts uh, the way teams play. And Bournemouth pressing more, taking away possession time, forcing turnovers, attacking in transition. All the things that I think can really rattle this Liverpool team that still does not have a defensive midfielder. Look, the Reds have so much attacking firepower. They could just run away and hide and win this game easily. But on the off chance that the Cherries are as dangerous as they showed they can be in the past and and played decently well against West Ham, uh, they are alive to pull off an upset here. They're good on set pieces too, which has been an issue for Liverpool and was again an issue last week. So give me the Cherries 12-1 to on the road at Anfield. This kicks off the parlay too. So if this hits, we go to Sunday, Michael, with you and I believe around the same time. Yeah, Bournemouth, Claremont, Foot, and Everton, three hundred and six to one uh, or thereabouts. So have some fun with us uh, this weekend. It, it, uh, <laughs> uh, all right, out to our favorite bets for match week two in the Premier League. Uh, BJ, what do you got? Yeah, I like Aston Villa, Everton over two and a half goals at minus one ten. Astonville is going to be without Tyrone Mings for an extended period of time. He is their best penalty box defender, their best aerial ball winner. Now they're going to have to play Pau Torres and play a more build-up style, which is what Unai Emery demands from his team. But Everton is a fantastic high-pressing team, forced 14 high turnovers against Fulham in match week one, and that's something Sean Dyche really emphasizes with this team since he took over since in the middle of February last year. His matches at Everton are averaging well over three expected goals. They Created almost three expected goals against Fulham. Couldn't put one in the back of the net. But they continue this type of offensive prowess against an Aston Villa defense that was very, very vulnerable in transition in match week one against Newcastle. We could get a very high event style match like we did the last time these two teams played uh, last season. So like over two and a half goals at minus 110. Tip top Tottenham uh, plus 187 hosting Manchester United. I'm, I'm not totally sure why United is a, a road favorite. We had question marks about this team coming into the season, thought they were a little overvalued in the betting market. I think everybody thought that this was just going to be a linear progression for Manchester United. They finished third last year, uh, win an EFL Cup trophy, qualify for Champions League, all that. Uh, And it doesn't look like it's going to be that simple for this team. They still have some serious defensive flaws. That's not a good thing against a Tottenham Hotspur team that looks live going forward under new manager Ange Postacoglu. Uh, Spurs can give this United team a whole host of issues uh, going the other way. So this line just doesn't make sense to me. I'll take Spurs as the home dog. Ange gets his first Premier League win. Anthony, that makes you happy. Take us home. Almost as happy as a Brighton win would make me because uh, they were my best bet last week, minus one and a half. And for the second straight week, I will be backing the Brighton Seagulls. 
this time on the money line, minus 105 against the Wolves. Look, I, I appreciated Wolves' performance at Man United. It was a good showing. They they look lively in transition. But uh, Brighton has a ton more talent. Uh, they had the most box entries, most penalty area touches, uh, completely ran over Luton Town, looked like they did not miss a beat in that match. And I know that Wolves are clearly better than Luton Town, but Wolves have a ton of turnover issues that they're going to continue to have all year because they are not playing how they used to play under Lopetegui. And there are takebacks and drawbacks to playing how they're playing now. And th- one of the big ones is they're going to give away the ball high and Brighton will turn that into goals and win this match. So give me the goals. All right. Uh, that does it for this episode, match week two preview in the Premier League of Wonder Goal. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, Bet365 and Caldera Lab. Thank you to our audio and video producers, David Payne and Hutton Jackson. Thank you to you, dear listener. Good luck this week. Remember to put in that parlay, 306 to 1, Claremont Foot, Everton, and Bournemouth. Uh, maybe all of us can celebrate together next week. For BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBunda, I'm Michael Leboff. We will see you again next week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.